Hey, one more thing before you go. Did I tell you about the single father who moved to Northern California, became a wine broker and a podcaster, who shares his journey of divorce, self-growth, PTSD, and what it's like being a single father? How about the secret he's never told anyone until now? Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. This is That Thing About Divorce and the Single Dad. My guest today is Brett Allen. He's a single dad, a Bay Area transplant, a graduate of New Mexico Broadcasting Academy, and was a producer of Albuquerque's number one rated afternoon talk show, ABQ Connect with Peter Benson. He also was the weekend drive time DJ for M88 Radio. His primary job in life is being the best dad possible and currently produces and hosts a popular podcast, The Open Mic Podcast. Welcome to the show, Brett. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here, my friend. So you've had quite a journey um, in your life. Yeah. You started off <laughs> That's an understatement. on the air in radio broadcasting. Is that something you always wanted to do? Well, it was something that kind of happened by happenstance, I guess you could say. Um, I was an intern at a church uh, working with the youth program and that sort of thing. And I'd always had an interest in entertainment and radio and that sort of thing. And so it just kind of happened by accident. They needed somebody to help out with some production. And uh, I, I got bit by the bug, I guess you could say, uh, in that regard. And so, yeah, I mean, to answer your question more directly, yeah, it's something I'd always been interested in. But it was one of those things that there's really not like a clear path to doing that necessarily, unless you know somebody. So that somebody I met and one thing led to another and, and I wound up doing it for a few years when I lived in New Mexico. What's it like to produce a radio program? It's very stressful. <laughs> um, there is a lot of responsibility to it in that regard. Um, it's not, I mean, it takes um, quite a bit of effort to get it done. Uh, however, you know, with time and practice, it gets done. So there's a lot of deadlines. It's, it's kind of similar to producing a podcast on some sort of level. However, the difference would be the timelines are a lot more stringent. You have sponsors that you're dealing with, music that you have to make sure that gets played often and consistently, kind of depending on this, who it is and what's happening. So it can be very fun and very thrilling, but also it can be very stressful uh, at the same time. It's It's a big rush, so to speak. Yeah, I can relate. I actually had uh, learned and had uh, spent some time in a in producing like a uh, television program and okay. uh, behind the scenes with that thing. And it, it, the people who are watching on this side of the screen have absolutely no idea what happens on the other side of the screen prior to you watching it. It's fun, but it's stressful. It's kind of crazy, actually. Yeah, it's <clears throat> there's a lot of pressure that goes into it. And Again, what you hear and what actually happens are two completely different things. And so, yeah, there's like a very high level of stress that comes about with it. But if you enjoy what you're doing, uh, it can often be very rewarding 95% of the time. Well, I got to ask you this because my wife's dream was to be a DJ one time and uh, on the radio. 
So what's it like being a DJ on the radio? It's a lot of fun. I mean, you get to play music, you get to talk to people. It's it's a blast. I mean, you know, it's a thrill. Again, I equate it to similarly like podcasting, really. And that's kind of in part why I, I do a podcast as it sort of scratches that itch, so to speak, of being able to put out content that you're happy and you feel happy with and that you feel good about, right? And so that's why I chose to do that, so to speak. But it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's a dream job, but it's also a job that you don't know how long it's going to last because if you're not performing well and your ratings aren't super hot, it could be a very short-sighted career. (laughs) I can imagine. What made you move to California? So, well, I moved to California because the the woman that I was dating at the time, which is my son's uh, mother, lived here. She moved here from Texas and she lived in a town called Vacaville, which is kind of a popular place to live uh, in Northern California. It kind of nestles uh, in between Sacramento and San Francisco and Napa Valley. It's like a short drive to everywhere, so to speak. But she lived here. And so when we decided that we were going to move forward with the relationship and and sort of go to the next level uh, and see what that might look like, you know, I made the decision to move here. Um, I was pretty certain that we were going to get married. So, I mean, obviously, that's one of the big determining factors in, in why I came here. But but yeah, I mean, she was the reason why I moved here uh, to continue on. I had been out to visit a couple times before over Thanksgiving and Christmas that prior year. So I was familiar with the area. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what drove me uh, to, to move here. Well, it sounds like you moved into a really pretty area of California. Obviously, it's not the oh, same as the hustle and the bustle of Los Angeles in that area. <laughs> it, it's a lot more relaxed. Yeah, that's really nice. Oh, yeah. My kids live in, my kids live in um, uh, Anaheim. So it, it they, uh, my oldest used to live in uh, right in the middle of L.A. Right next, she called it Hollywood adjacent because they were <laughs> right next to Hollywood, but not quite into Hollywood area. So that it was too much. Just they just couldn't stand all the homeless people that were there, and just drove them crazy. So, and they're both in the my my oldest daughter and her husband are in the entertainment industry. So we'll talk about that in a little while here. But and um, they got affected by COVID, and you know, so they're obviously not working. But they moved up to Anaheim, which still gives them opportunity, and it's a little bit nicer where they're at. So it works out well. Um, when you got to California, did you get back into radio? You know, I didn't because there just weren't opportunities. That was kind of just a different part of my life. When I moved here, you know, I kind of assumed the role of a stepdad, so to speak. And so that was really kind of what the focus was. And the the big drive was to, to find a job so we could save money and so we could get married, right? That was kind of like what the... The, the the goal was to do, so to speak. And so, no, I, to answer your question directly, no, I didn't. I always had an interest in kind of doing it. But when you go from a small market like New Mexico uh, to California, you know, it's it's a different 
sort of ball game, so to speak, I guess would be the best way to describe it. And so, so no, I didn't, but I wanted to, but I, again, you know, and I've still thought about it to this day, but it's such a competitive space to be in. But then I, you know, I found podcasting. So that kind of, again, scratches that itch, but, um, I just had other things that I was, I was focused on and, uh, you know, trying to just be, potentially a, a husband and, and a father to these kids. And so that was, you know, when you're single, you don't really, and have no kids, you can just kind of be and do what you feel like you want to. <laughs> but when you have other responsibilities, it's a little bit more challenging. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Single getting, getting, getting married changes, uh, changes the direction of many of us. Um, yeah. hundred percent. So I know that uh, you and I had uh, discussed previously, it um you you uh, unfortunately got uh, divorced right yeah so how did that change your life i mean i from my perspective um i've been divorced i luckily i got remarried and um and i've been remarried to my current wife for 31 years so my divorce was positive for me because it it opened up the doors to something else and including my children because i wouldn't have had children with my first wife so how did it change your life? Well, you know, it's it's an interesting question because the answer has always been ever evolving and changing. It's been seven years. Well, since I've been in California, I would say a total of five since I've been divorced. And so, it, it, you know, it's, it's one of these things that kind of just happened in stages, I guess, would be the best way to answer it. Like initially, my first piece was, oh, thank God this is over. Um, I had no business being married and, you know, it's done, right? So that's the first piece of that. The second stage is like, oh, God, you know something that <clears throat> I kind of thought might happen in the back of my head, but could never accept has actually happened. And so that was another piece of the puzzle that was a little bit tough. But then after a while, it, it started to affect me heavily. I went through a very strong period of depression, um, a very strong period of anger and frustration uh, towards her and towards myself. And so overall, the short answer is it was horrible. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. And I would not wish divorce upon anybody ever. It's terrible. And and, and not to mention, sc scrape away just the religious perspectives that people have uh, and that I had, you know, at the time. Let's just talk about you've had something that you've shared your life with for whatever period of time that is, you know, even if it's a year and a half, that that thing is broken. And so it's like death. It's like mourning the death of something. And you have to be okay with mourning the death of it. I was scared because I had a baby that now I had somebody who I, I thought at the time, you know, was not going to help me and was just going to let me fend for myself. I mean, that was a terrible assumption because it's far from the case now. And we can talk about that later, about my relationship with his mother. However, you know, at the moment, I was just scared crapless, to put it politely. Like, it was horrible. I didn't know what I was going to do. 
I didn't know if I was going to see my son. I had no idea. And, you know, looking back on it now, obviously they went a completely different direction, but at the moment it was I think divorce, you know, is, is excited as we might be to get out of a relationship and be like, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that anymore. And I, I might feel that way now, <laughs> but differently, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a different lens I'm looking at it now through, but at the time, horrible, you know, it's not something that you can ever prepare for. And, at the, and like initially I was shell shocked a little bit, you know, like I was like, Ooh, thank God I don't have to deal with this anymore. And then as the days pass and the time passes and, and it begins to just build and, and things get longer and longer, it becomes more difficult. I would say it took me a good solid year just to just accept the fact that I was no longer married. And I wasn't even hanging on to the hope that we would get back together. I knew that was not going to happen. But it was more of just like, you know, is this really happening, if that makes any sense? And it was just, it was tough, you know, and that sticks with you and, and adds to that PTSD that we talked about earlier. And when I say that in regards to potentially pursuing other relationships and just intimacy in general. So, yeah, it was just one of the roughest things I'd ever been through. Yeah, it's interesting because people don't realize when somebody goes through a divorce, like you said, it's part of your life that you've shared with somebody else and it becomes broken. So when you lose that opportunity with somebody, it creates, you go through stages of grief, just like just like if you did lose some someone in passing, you go through the, the five stages. And whether exactly. they go through sequentially or whether or not they're visited at separate times, you, you go through each one of them. I... I did that during, after my first divorce. And um, I kind of, it took me, it took me a couple of years before I really, I mean, I started dating again um, within about eight, nine months, but yeah, I didn't find somebody I until another year and a half after that. So I got lucky with that. But yeah, it's, it um, it's a difficult thing to go through. People don't understand. It's not just oh, divorced. Are you glad you're divorced? You know, are you happy you're divorced? It's it's kind of a. I'll I'll check back with you in a little bit, and I'll tell you the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting because, like, I I mean, to be quite honest, um, and I've never really shared this with many people, but I mean, I was dating, probably let's see, six months after, I mean, our divorce wasn't even completely final yet. And I was already seeing somebody, but I did, I wasn't, it wasn't the idea of trying to get married again. That wasn't what I was looking for. It was more of looking for, and I see this now, the things that I missed in that relationship that I felt like I didn't get as far as intimacy and that sort of thing. I think that's what drove me to want to be with somebody the affection in that type of scenario but yeah i mean you know i would have people ask me all the time are you okay do you you know and it's like well i don't really know you know i have no i have no idea how i feel about this because 
It literally just happened. So, yeah. <laughs> yep, I understand. Now you, you know you mentioned something that that you you have you have a child with her, and and you were stepfather to another child that she had previous. Um, right now, you are a co-parent to your son. So, yes. tell me about that process and how that how is COVID nineteen affecting that? Well. You know, the interesting thing about that is, again, it's been a, a growing process. <clears throat> you know, we've gone from not being able to be around each other at all to co-parenting quite successfully, being able to be in the same locale, celebrate birthdays together. You know, at one point when they were living down in, in, in Monterey, you know, I was staying down there on their property in a in a landlord type unit. So, I mean, it's been a growth process. Um, in regards to COVID-19, to answer your question, it really hasn't affected us too much. I mean, we've still been able to do what we need to do. We were homeschooling this year for first grade. That's a significant change. And so we've had to sort of, you know, uh, split the task on that. You know, she does Monday through Thursday. I do Fridays. Um, and then weekends with him. And then, you know, if it's a long weekend, we spend time together. Over the summer, we did seven on, seven off. <clears throat> so I have no problem seeing my son in the sense of having access to him. You know, that was the one thing that I would never sacrifice or try and blow up. <clears throat> Although subconsciously, I might have tried to, you know, cause problems in my marriage when you're mad at somebody and you're just doing things intentionally to piss them off that, you know what I'm saying? Like that kind of thing. Um, you're a retired police officer, so I'm sure you've seen, uh, all kinds of domestics and you have to decide, you know, who's the guilty party. And I never, it is a confession moment. You know, <laughs> I never wanted to put myself in a situation where, well, first of all, just, it, it's just morally improper, but to where I'd have to, I, I think, you know, kind of, I, this is interesting that you said this because like, you know, sometimes how you might try and provoke somebody to get them to do something. And then that something might result into a big blow up. We never got physical. Um, there was never anything like that. It was mostly just a lot of yelling. <laughs> so um but so so to go back to your question you know we've it's been a process you know what i'm saying and it's not something that happened overnight and so i ask for only what i need to ask for um we help each other out and we, there are some congratulatory moments but you know since covid's hit we've we've made it work you know as best as we can now that they've moved back to where i live it's a lot easier to make it work yeah i can imagine that yeah when i was a when i was on the job as a police officer I was part of the domestic violence task force so we watched and um, were a participant in a lot of domestic disputes and a good portion of those unfortunately were played out in front of children which have a lasting effect on 100%. the child no matter how you look at it, it, has a lasting effect on the child. And some were violent, and uh, some were just verbal. So uh, I respect the fact that you guys have an amicable relationship with your child and understand that you both 
have a responsibility to be a parent to the child. Yeah, that's the thing, you know, like there comes a point where you just have to realize that it's not about you any longer and it's about what is the safest, the healthiest environment that we can create for our child and let him or her see that mom and dad get along and that we can parent him successfully where, and the thing is, is it happened when he was like six months old, you know what I'm saying? So like the only memory that he's ever going to have is what he sees now. And you know what we tell him later, what, whatever that might be, you know what I'm saying? And so that's the biggest advantage I feel like I have is that, it didn't happen now when he's six where he will remember and see and have just the worst time ever trying to process. You know, I, I don't know. He doesn't really ask a lot of questions right now. I mean, he has a stepdad, Jeremy, who is great. We get along exceedingly well. And so there's not really this um, question of, you know, why do mom and dad not live together? Like that's never come up. I'm sure it will eventually. But I feel like, you know, we'll be able to handle it well uh, without having to throw each other under the bus, which happens oftentimes, unfortunately, in, in relationships. So I count myself very lucky in that regard. You know? Yeah, I agree with you. It's too many, too many people use their kids as pawns, unfortunately. And, and like you had mentioned earlier, you don't, you guys don't do that where they, they play the parent against one another, which is, which is not cool to do. I mean, it, you guys put your children first or your your child first, and that's that's important. I think that's a positive thing. So earlier you talked about um, your when you grew up, you have a little bit of PTSD in regard to your uh, your upbringing. Can you help? Can we talk about that? So I grew up in a divorced family. You know, so typical stereotype of story, but my parents divorced when I was about eight. And so I, I'm an adopted child. Um, and so, you know, there was that piece to it. But I think just growing up, watching your parents fight and argue, uh, there being some level of physical abuse, you know, in that type of regard, uh, and so just not having a healthy, super healthy childhood, you know, I think that's a big piece of the puzzle. And as much as we don't like to think that, um, that can exist, it does exist. And I think it has long lasting effects on us, not to mention just, you know, broken relationships and uh, all kinds of other things. Uh, then happen along the way, you know, just having a misappropriation and understanding of different pieces to life, whether it comes to relationships, to sex. I mean, you just, the list goes on and on, right? There's just, it is what it is. And so I think all of that can compound itself. Uh, lack of trust, uh, the inability to have intimacy and, and all of that can combine itself. And if you can't recognize it, and somehow figure out how to either get help for it or, or whatever, it's going to come out one way or the other. And in this case, it came out in my marriage. 
uh, you know, looking back on it now, I, I see that and I recognize it, but I didn't at the time. And so, you know, I think PTSD is often equated with military police, uh, you know, medical field, which is a hundred percent, you know, um, it makes sense, right? I can never imagine what a police officer must feel like, um, or, or a fire. I don't know. I mean, you just, you pick, right? Like, I don't know. Um, but I, but I can tell you that PTSD can come in different forms and in many different ways. Uh, and in this particular case, for me, it was my childhood, my mom being physically abusive, um, and the list goes on and on. And so for me, that's how I defined uh, my PTSD, which I was able to, to mitigate with just a lot of counseling and just cognitive therapy and sort of hashing those things out with somebody and figuring out ways to recognize triggers. And then when I, I recognize those triggers, having the ability to say, I'm not going to let this bother me, you know, it could be just unnecessary thought processes. I mean, I mean, the list goes on and on. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my people don't understand and the majority of individuals don't understand that post-traumatic stress disorder, the primary comments in there are traumatic stress. And traumatic stress right. can come from anything. It can come from your childhood. It can come from sexual assault. It can come from abuse. It can come from uh, being in combat, it can come from being in a stressful situation as a police officer or what you see every day. Police officers, I know that it's really tough out there in this environment today for police officers and law enforcement officers all across the country because people don't understand how how things have changed in, in what direction they're moving in. And um, the incidences that have taken place are not blamed on post on you know, post-traumatic stress or any kind of traumatic stress. But that has to be taken into consideration because like police officers, EMTs, firefighters, doctors, especially nurses in today's environment, they see the worst in the worst. They see the best people at their worst and they see the worst people at their worst on a consistent basis. And when you see that and deal with it on an everyday basis, it creates an environment we as individuals can also grow up in that environment. And it, again, keywords are traumatic stress. Traumatic stress can come from anywhere. So I applaud you for exactly. taking that control into recognizing that. Yeah, recognizing it is the key to, you take you to communicating it into understanding and overcoming it. Yeah, yeah. You know, the thing about it is, it's like, you have to come to a place where you can start taking the blame and responsibility for yourself and not just always blame it on somebody else. Like it can be very easy to do to blame it on one person. Like a lot of times it was easy to blame, you know, my, my ex-wife for a lot of different things. And albeit, you know, she might be, I would say more of a target for things versus the cause, if that makes any sense. And I think when you can recognize that and go, there's just certain hills that aren't worth dying on, so to speak. And you just, you, 
you kind of get past yourself and you just learn how to navigate it. And again, I'm not perfect. I have a long way to go. And, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, this could have long lasting effects on my son. I have no idea. You know, I, I don't know. So, okay. So in any case, there comes a point where you have to learn to accept the problem as as something that you could be a part of or the cause of and not necessarily using other people as a target to, to blame for your situation. So I think once you can get to that spot and sort of figure that out, then I think the rest can be easily navigated as long as you're open and willing to take responsibility and, and help solve the problem and, and be a solution to the problem instead of, the cause, if that makes any sense. Well, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I um, agree with you. That's some words of wisdom for individuals that are experiencing it now from whatever perspective you're coming from, is that you need to recognize it. You need to take the responsibility of it yourself and, and you have a choice. You can either let it control you or you can try to work with it and manage it. 100%, 100%. So how is, how is COVID the pandemic, the COVID-19, how has it affected you personally? Oh, geez. Well, I've been laid off from my job. I went on furlough at the end of March. Um, and then at the end of April, I was furloughed. So I've been technically unemployed since April. I have looked for work um, and have not had success in finding it. Um, I mean, I've put my feelers out there for a lot of different things. Regardless of your political position as a listener, I, I've been very thankful for the unemployment. It's been helpful. Um, thank goodness I've, I've had no problems getting unemployment uh, and other sources of income, but it's been a huge hit. You know, it's not anything that I would have ever expected to happen in my life. I don't think anybody ever does, but it's not something that you can be prepared for either in that regard. It's just something that you don't know what you're going to do until it happens. And so, you know, I could drone on and on about it, but I feel like I've done the best to, to take advantage of opportunities and, you know, learn new skill sets and, and hopefully get to a place where, you know, I'll be back to work soon. Um, and, you know, just taking it one step at a time and hopefully, um, things seem to be getting better here and are slowly starting to reopen, but I think we're far from this being over in regards to um, the after effects. And, and even two years down the road, I don't think things will ever be the same. Even if there was a, even if there was a vaccination tomorrow and it started tomorrow and a year from now, two years from now, I think the way that we do life, the way that we go about things will forever change America. It, there's just no denying that piece. I agree with that. I think that it has fundamentally changed how we operate, how we perceive, and how we 100%. act within society. It has changed it completely. Our, we were affected by it um, as a family as well, both. Well, my son-in-law, we still we call him one of our kids. Um, so all of our kids actually lost their jobs, uh, in March and, um, 
two of them are in the entertainment field and one of them actually works for Disneyland and he got indefinitely furloughed from there. And uh, my daughter, an actor, yeah. um, she was in the process of some productions and they shut down the productions. So they're out of work. And then our youngest uh, was stuck in Tennessee, actually. She had a great job. She had just started out there a year and a half ago and we got her moved out there and settled. She got furloughed in March because they are a marketing firm, an advertising firm. And when they shut down all of the health clubs and the spas and the the restaurants, that's who they did marketing for. So she was out, basically. Um, Nicole, finally, we got her moved just recently to California where she, somebody hired her in California, but it took her until from the end of March all the way through the first week of August, which is, I mean, that's a crazy amount of time, but we were lucky enough that somebody needed a graphic designer um, in a company out there. They were going back to work in California. Yeah. It's insane. You know, um, unbelievable. Don't even know what to say. <laughs> well, but it, hopefully it ends, you know, it, in, it's, in my opinion. Oh, me, me as well. I mean, it, my, I'm, I am lucky in one aspect. My wife is working at home. Um, she's working from home. So they're still working. She works in the educational field. So because they're still doing it, but everything's being done online. So they had to relearn everything, relearn how to do classes, relearn how to, the new technology, how to incorporate the new technology into teaching. Um, crazy, crazy amount of change and learning. Um, but it's been nice having her home though. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> Lucky you. So you have a popular podcast. It's heard across the world. Tell me a little bit about that, would you? Yes, the Open Mic Podcast, uh, where no topic is off limits. And I interview celebrities, influencers, authors, uh, the occasional musician. And I'm very lucky to be doing that. And in fact, because of the pandemic and at the time, people just being available, so to speak, um, I was able to really get a good jump on the show and I'm very lucky uh, in the sense that it's done well. Um, I, again, with everything I've said, I feel like I have a long way to go, but I'm happy with where I'm at with it. And it's a lot of fun and I get to talk to great people and have fun and fantastic conversations. You know, everybody from 16 time champ Ric Flair to, you know, the list goes on and on. So I've been very happy with it. And again, you know, I had taken a small break and when the pandemic hit, that's when I started picking it up again. And uh, it's just been a thrill and a blast to to be able to do it. it it's, I appreciate the kind words. It's just been fa fantastic. Like I never imagined I would be doing that, but going back to an earlier part of our conversation, I'm cool with where I'm at and I'm happy and I'm very blessed uh, to be able to do what I do. That's outstanding. Part of life is being happy where you are. And um, uh, you've got an opportunity to, yes. number one, share with the world, basically, because you're on like 15 different platforms, I think you said, and you're all over the country, all over the world, actually. Um, so you're able to reach out to these individuals that normally wouldn't have an opportunity to listen. Yeah. 
I'm very happy. Very happy. And it's been with hard work. I, you know, it's taken a long time to get here and I have a long time to go, a long way to go. But again, I'm just happy with where I'm at. I'm very happy and excited uh, for what the future holds with the show. Do you ever bring your son in on any of your podcasts? No, not really. <laughs> if anything, he's he kind of gets in the way, way a little bit. I think he's interested in what I do, but I don't. I mean, he he's kind of he knows kind of what I do, but you know, he's more interested in video games and other things right now uh, than than what Dad does. Um, I mean, he likes to play around and stuff when I'm trying to record. He'll jump in and talk, but. Maybe one day that would be great. <laughs> yeah, it might be fun. I know you had talked earlier yeah. that you know this is this podcast is something that you. What inspired you to do open mic podcast? Well, going back to what I talked about earlier about radio, I think that's what interested me the most. Um, it kind of started out as a journey podcast, uh, and then eventually turned into an interview show. But again, the opportunity to use the medium to talk to people interview people and get to know them. That is what interested me the most. And, you know, it's because of that, I've been able to talk to so many great people um, and have conversations with you like this. So, I mean, I think the one thing that we like to do is talk about each ourselves and, and talk about what each other is up to. And it's a great way to connect with people, especially now, you know, with given the situation that we're in, it's become a very forefronted medium to talk to people. So yeah, I mean, it's a blast. <laughs> I love doing it and, uh, you know, have no intentions of stopping anytime soon. In your conversations with these uh, celebrities and influential people, do you think it's a, a step up from radio because they can speak their mind more than they would on the radio? Are they, are they freer with their words? I think so. A lot of times they wind up talking about things that they might not normally discuss you know, I'm not a journalist in the sense of trying to get the story, so to speak, uh, or the juice or the dirt. I'm just more interested, like you, in having honest conversations with people. So there's that piece to it, right? So yeah, I, I would I wouldn't say a step up. I would say probably it's just a different medium and a different way for them to reach a different audience, right? And, and then they do come on and promote stuff. Typically, that's kind of really the gist of it on some of these interviews. But yeah, I think it's different in the sense of it's a lot freer. Um, you know, it's not live, so to speak. So we can kind of talk about whatever we want to talk about. Um, we can stop. We can start. We can go back. And then through the magic of editing, you know, we can make it sound like a normal and natural conversation. But yeah, I think it's totally different in that regard. I've enjoyed being a podcaster. It allows me to, like you said earlier, have a conversation with somebody and be able to do it in such a manner that uh, it's more relaxed and uh, we talk about life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what drives me to do it more than anything, I'd say for sure. Any advice for people going through what you went through or are going through now? I think you just have to take it one day at a time. Like as cliche as that might sound, that's all you can do is just handle what you can handle and at the end of the day, there's only so much you can control. Uh, but personally, you can 100% control your responses. You can 100% control your reactions to things. You can control your mindset. 
Uh, I'm a firm believer in having a mindset of positivity and the sense of just knowing that you are doing the best that you can. And I think if you give yourself credit in those areas, you can do it. You know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to get counseling if you need it, therapy, whatever it might be, even medication. Uh, I'm not a doctor, but I will tell you that there are ways to deal with things and there are ways to cope with them. You just have to keep your head on straight and be proactive, be responsible for yourself and, and take the steps necessary to deal and, and to get help if you need it. hundred percent. Excellent words of wisdom. What's your next move? Oh, geez. <laughs> to go back to work. <laughs> I'm trying to go back to work. I, I need to go back to work. I'm very thankful for unemployment and being home, uh, but I'm ready to go back to work. Whether I work from home or go to an office, I don't care. <laughs> I'm just ready to go back to work. That's all I can say. Um, I Yeah. <laughs> it was fun like for the first couple months, well, but now I'm just like, all right, I'm done. Let's... <laughs> I'll do my best to throw in some manifestation for positivity to get you to, to get you a job. We'll see what we can do. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'll take anything I can get. <laughs> well, thank you, Brett. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you joining the conversation. And um, uh, I think you've shared quite a bit of your journey. And I really thank you for that. It's a personal journey. And uh, I think people can take some lessons from that as well. So kudos for your achievements and for moving on and moving strong again. And thank you for being part of the show. Thanks for having me, my friend. It's been a pleasure to be here. That's the end of this episode. And I really appreciate you guys listening. Since we had this interview, I'll be happy to report that Brett is currently employed. He found a job he's enjoying and he loves having life back on track. If you want to listen to the Open Mic Podcast, you'll find it on all your favorite listening platforms. And you can contact Brett through his website, of which I will have all those links in the show notes and www.beforeyougopodcast.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go, have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.